pulpy cyberpunk noir westerns with plenty of down-on-your-luck characters and face-melting harmonica solos? Well, saddle up, buckaroo, and crack yourself a cold one, because it's time to talk about Cowboy Bebop, here on Shonen and Suds. <laughs> Guys, welcome to episode two, episode two of Shonen and Suds. I'm your host, Chris Adams. Yeah, and I'm Cody Snodgrass. Man, Cody, we're back. Here we are. This is, you know, this is our, it's it's our second episode, yes, but this is really like our first, you know, meaty episode, and I'm really, really excited to do it. I've been, you know, I've been, uh, you know, watching anime the last couple of days, um, just getting myself ready. You know, I can, I can't watch enough Cowboy Bebop, that's for damn sure. Um, it's all, you know, it's one of my favorites, and it's, you know, just watching it again for the millionth time, I, it never gets old. Um, but we'll talk about that in a little bit, you know, a little bit more detail, obviously. But Cody, down down to brass tacks, down to important business. What you drinking? All right, that's a beer. <laughs> that was a good. That was a loud one. Uh, today we're drinking a. We got the not just a regular Bud Light, Chris. We got Bud Light Lemonade. Um, had a buddy bring it over to a party the other night, and uh, buddies bringing buddies. That's yeah, it's it's like about. a it's like a half and half. It's almost like an Arnold Palmer, except you take out the tea. And you just add Bud Light. It's more of a shanty, uh, shandy. Yeah. I believe is the correct term for those. Okay, nothing wrong with that, man. It's summertime. It's hot as shit here in Virginia, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Same here in Missouri. <laughs> that's right. Uh, but you're we're like ba- half desert, half trees. Basically, it's, and it's all flat. It's uh, it's awful. Uh, but, you know, we make it work. Uh, Chris, what about you? What are you drinking tonight? Well, you know, since we're watching Cowboy Bebop, something classy with lots of bars, I'm actually foregoing the beer. I can't, I have nothing to crack, but I'm trying to clank the ice. I've got uh, <laughs> fingers of just, you know, uh, it's not top shelf or barely even mid-shelf whiskey. Some Evan Williams Black Label. It's uh, barrel-aged. Um, it's mid-lower. It's something, it's, I mean, you're not, it's not rock gut by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> I, I put Evan Williams uh, Black Label right there on the same level as like Jim Beam. It's, it's, I mean, same tier if you were to go into the liquor store. It's really all about the same. Um, okay. But you know what? I, I thought I'd go with something classy, a little, little whiskey to put out the vibe. Okay, all right, all right, fair enough. Uh, yeah, we had, a, like Chris said, guys, this is our this is our first like real episode. We actually have a review. We got a meaty a subject to talk about, obviously, in Cowboy Bebop. Uh, we got a big episode plan. We got questions from from the listeners. We got uh, the review, obviously, all kinds of stuff. Um, but before we get into that, just some quick news for you guys about the podcast, guys. We are now streaming on iHeartRadio, TuneIn. I do HeartRadio. Yeah, you do HeartRadio, that's right. Uh, we're also on TuneIn. Uh, I've never heard of TuneIn, but it was one of the things I could apply for, so I, I figured why not. Um, and then obviously we're also live now on SoundCloud as well as Podbean. We are awaiting approval from Apple Podcast. Um, they're kind of being stingy. They take a few weeks with that. And then Spotify, we have to record five episodes before we'll be live on there, so... Unfortunately, you guys won't be able to hear this for another five weeks at least. But look forward to that. Um, that's on Spotify, right? Yeah, that's for Spotify. Spotify requires oh. a, a an episode count before we can sure. stream to them. But I should know that. I should know that. <laughs> you know, we had to wait for the RBA Returns podcast before that happened. Right. And. Uh, yeah, so I guess first things first, Chris, we'll touch on some news about Cowboy Bebop, actually. Yeah, which it's actually kind of funny. Uh, I'm glad you said that because I'm glad we picked Cowboy Bebop first because there's some like really cool and relevant news mm-hmm. going on with uh, specifically the music right now. Cody, why don't you go ahead and talk about it? 
Yeah, so I think it's about eight days ago, about a week ago, um, the original soundtrack actually is now available for streaming on Spotify. Um, and then just a few days ago, they also announced the vinyl coming out. Um, <laughs> so you guys, you vinyl collectors out there can now get the music of Cowboy Bebop you know, on vinyl. Um, it's pretty cool. And for you know an anime that's over twenty years old, the music still slaps. Oh yeah, absolutely. One, absolutely, still slaps. One of the highlights of the show. I mean, the show is all highlights, but uh, mm-hmm, love the, the, love the music, music just takes it to the next level. Yeah, and it looks like the two LP vinyl will drop November twenty twenty. So look forward to that, guys. Um, and if you can't wait, you can listen to it now on Spotify, obviously. Or if you're watching along with us, you'll be hearing all the music anyhow. Um, Absolutely. Well, you know, not a, not a whole lot of news. I mean, it's really nice to see, you know, again, like I said, a 20-plus-year-old anime still, you know, making headlines and still, you know, having, you know, people still go nuts over it, which no. is awesome. But, you know, Cody, I, I think it's it's time to, like, dig in. Like, this is what the people want. So, today we're talking about, again, we're talking about Cowboy Bebop. This is an anime series. Let's go over the tale of the tape. Uh, it was created by Sunrise, directed by Shinichiro Watanabe, uh, Music, iconic music, I should say, by Yoko Kano. Uh, it first aired April 3rd, 1998. But then, in its entirety, on October 24th, 1998. Now, Cody, you and I kind of touched on this in the first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a reason for it not being aired in, in its entirety when the show, when it first came out, when it was first ready to be on television. And uh, why don't you go ahead and talk about that a little bit? Uh, yeah, so, <clears throat> apparently... Obviously, I was very young at this time, so I was only five years old, so I didn't really know what was going on in Japan, um, unfortunately. Uh, Cody, I was a grown man, and I didn't know what was going on over there. <laughs> um, but the show had aborted its first run from April 3rd to June 26th in 1998. Um, it only broadcasted episodes 2, 3, 7, 15, and 18, as well as that special we kind of touched on briefly in the first episode, which is the Mishmash. Uh, it's like Session XX, essentially is what it's called. Um, the show had been canceled, uh, because of low ratings and then, uh, also because of the, the violence basically happening in Japan schools at the time. Um, so. Well, Cody, as, as, as an older man, I'll, I'll be the first to tell you that violence in schools in the nineties, was that like an all time high? Was it? Like, oh, obviously in was. I, I was I mean, only. Go back and look. I mean, if you go back to, I mean, that's what, I mean, Columbine happened the following year. Mm-hmm. Um, school shootings were just something that was, I mean, it was kind of commonplace in America. I mean, not as, I don't want to make it sound like it was a problem, but it was definitely, like, it was, it happened a lot more than it really should have. And a lot of, I mean, look at all those movies in the 90s, Dangerous Ground, Dangerous Minds, uh, The Substitute, um, let's say, even Only the Strong with Mark Sakis, you know, the Capoeira movie. I've never heard of any of those movies, Chris, but I believe you. Uh, <laughs> All right, guys, this is no longer the Shonen and Suds podcast. This is 90s high school, uh, just t- bad students, cool teacher that comes in. and I don't, I don't know what that genre is called. I guess just drama? Just, But anyway, I digress. But the point <laughs> is, it makes sense. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I guess so. The only, the only uh, violence I was dealing with back then was like arguing over Pokemon card trades and like six and like when I was like six years old, probably like first grade, so uh, a <laughs> nice. little bit different spectrum, uh, but indeed. But no, but uh, yeah, violence in schools is at an all-time high. And when you when you mention those X uh, those episode numbers, um, 
like I, I look through the episode list and it's like, huh, it looks like they cut out all the ones with gangs, drugs, and like extreme violence or echo terrorism. Like they really like didn't air the hard hitting stuff. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but but like I said, the show was eventually aired in its entirety that same year. Um, coming down the home stretch of the year, October twenty fourth, nineteen ninety eight is when the show finally aired. Um, it'd be a couple, uh, about three years later in the U.S. before we get it. Um, it aired September 2nd, 2001 as the first anime on Adult Swim. Yeah, which is crazy because like, that's one of the main places when I first started getting into anime. Like every Saturday night, that was that was how I watched like Cowboy Bebop or like Lupin the Third or Big O. <laughs> Well, and it had a. It was it was so successful that it just ran for four years straight. Yeah. Before they they changed. Now, obviously, you know, we, we mentioned the month of September in the year two thousand one. Right. Um, you know, then oddly enough, uh, I'm reading a couple things, doing some research that did have an impact on the show um, here in the states as far as um, certain episodes being aired, and we'll talk about that when we get to it. Um, but it was, you know, speaking of episodes, it was split into 26 episodes. They were called Sessions. Um, just, you know, kind of going with the whole music theme. Um, but today, Cody, we're going to be covering the first half, literally the first half, um, Session 1 all the way up to the mid-series finale, Session 13. Yes. And uh, so just forewarning you guys, if you haven't watched Episodes 1 through 13, stop the podcast now. Go ahead and just go watch that and then come back to us because um, there will be – Yes. It's going to be very spoiler-heavy. Um so, just forewarning yeah, you guys. It's going to be spoiler-heavy conversations. We're not going to be doing full episode synopses. We're just going to be talking about them. And we, I mean, there's some pretty pivotal plot points that make and break the episodes. So, yeah, again, like Cody said, if you haven't seen it, just, just come back to us when you're done. Hmm. But for those that have and they just want to shoot the shit, um, you know, join us here on Big Shot. <laughs> All I can hear is, like, the, the, the music from that Um yeah, let's talk, Tony. Let's just dive right in. Let's talk about. Uh, we'll start with uh, session one. Now, one of the things I no- you know I noticed right off the bat, Cowboy Bebop uses um, a, a formula to their episodes. It's very much a, a a villain of the week kind of show with an overarching narrative that sometimes comes to the forefront, but a lot of times is just happening just in the background. Or, you know, through maybe small snippets of dialogue between characters. Um, so, this is one of those shows where what happens in episode one, you can miss an episode and not feel completely lost. Right. You yeah. wouldn't want to, but you can definitely miss an episode or two. And, and, you know, maybe you missed one when it was airing, or, you know, you just, uh, now there's no excuse for it because everything's streaming everywhere. Mm-hmm. But it's just one of those things that, and I, I, I like that. I like that it does take that approach because every episode, these characters are so compelling. They're the 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 stories are the stories are just done so well. Um, I I always found myself even when we we kind of talked about this a little bit last week, even in the the quote unquote filler episodes, I still found myself just really just just really chomping at the bit for the next episode, and just found really what was going on just very endearing. Um, but I mean, as far as you know, what's going on here before we get into episode one? Yeah, you know, there, there's a lot of genres happening here. I didn't mean to, I kind of talked about that with our intro. We've got everything from cyberpunk, pulp noir, 
spaghetti westerns, you know, you, you know, detective stories, like you name it, it is in this show. No, yeah, absolutely. And there, like we talked about before we started the show, um, there's a lot of pop culture references. Um, we're gonna, we're gonna go through quite a few of those. Um, uh-huh. but yeah, this first episode we kind of get introduced to our main two characters. We meet Spike Spiegel. Uh, he's a, he's a bounty hunter. Black. Yeah, and Jet Black. Uh, <clears throat> and they are basically just two bounty hunters working together. Um, we don't really know much to begin with their backstory. Um, they're just basically tracking down a bounty. This guy's name is was it Anisabov? Yeah, well, yeah, Asimov. Asimov. <laughs> Um, yeah, Asimov uh, Sol- Solonson, I believe is his name. Something like that, yeah. Um, yep. And they're just tra- this is basically just like your first intro episode, so you're kind of getting to know these guys um, and kind of really just finding out what the show is really about, which it's two guys essentially going after bounties, trying to make a living. Um, this takes place in 2071. Um, they're basically chasing all around the galaxy after these criminals, quote-unquote, um, and just trying to make a living. They're basically bounty yeah. hunters. They're also known as it's, it's cowboys. Right. It's, it's, you know, the, to kind of set the backdrop of the world, it's, you know, pretty much the solar system has expanded. You know, you have people living on various moons of different planets. And you see that throughout this. Um, you know, in this episode specifically, they talk about Mars. And Asimov and Katarina just want to, they, they want to get to Mars. That's kind of their thing, just to get away from what they were doing. Um, you, you know, later on there's an episode where they're on Ganymede. They mentioned Titan, like all that. You know, there's just a lot of a lot of solar solar system hopping. I mean, it's definitely a, a, a space opera in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- this first episode, one of the things you notice right off the bat, and I think this is one of the big things. The first episode starts with this. You don't know if it's a flashback or what, but you you see, you know, a guy with a bouquet of flowers. There's a gunfight, drops it in a puddle, and then it goes right into just the banging ass opening. Mm-hmm. So, and this is where you know, if, if you're not hooked after that kind of you know what's going on there kind of intro, the the theme song, like the opening theme, will definitely get you hooked. It's got all the right notes, and of course, it's got the famous song. I believe it's called Tank, and it's performed by the Seatbelts. I believe is the 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 band that is that does that song or the orchestra i don't know i don't know how many pieces <laughs> are in this band it's but it is it's still, again 22 years later it still just absolutely slaps oh yeah at the beginning of the song they say three two one let's jam and that's exactly what it is uh it's one of my favorite anime intros actually because there's if you watch a lot of anime that you know there's a lot of bad anime intros and then there's ones that really stick out that you can watch every single time you watch a new episode. And then there's this one that just isn't a class by yeah, itself. Yeah, this is like this is top tier and like the skip intro button is never getting pressed. Um, oh never. I don't even think I've ever seen the option to skip this intro. <laughs> they're like you're not doing it. Yeah, Hulu Hulu doesn't even offer the option. They're like no. No, no, no. Yeah, they'll just they'll just end your subscription if, uh, <laughs> if you try to skip the intro. Yeah. But no, but no this, then we get into this episode. Like you said before, Cody, um, this is their first job. We don't really know much about them. Um, it's just two guys. And, and this is kind of how you know that they're down on their luck. Jet's in the kitchen cooking up some bell peppers and beef, but it's all bell peppers. Yeah. And they're just like, well, we can't afford beef. Well, you know, and then it, you always find something. It's always something. Like, real life sets in very quickly. Oh, yeah, what about that bounty we had? Well, we had to pay for the repairs to your ship. Oh, we had to refuel here. Well, we had to pay for that damage. We had to do this. How much did that leave us? Well, here's your fucking bell peppers. This is all you got. <laughs> you know? So, no, yeah, like, absolutely. you learn real quick that these guys are not, like, there's nothing. 
there, there's nothing extraordinary about them. They are just normal ass dudes in this world trying to make ends meet. And the first job is they're hunting down a, uh, a again Asimov Solonson, which you know first pop culture reference, and you could easily tie this guy to you know sci-fi writer um, Isaac Asimov. Oh okay. See, I have no idea who that is, that's, but. Uh, guys, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, just follow along with Chris. He has all the pop culture references. Um, I mean, I'm a fountain I, of useless knowledge. <laughs> um, but why? Yeah, why sci-fi are, author. He was a professor. I mean, Isaac Asimov is. When you think sci-fi, like it's a name that's kind of synonymous with. But again, I mean, Asimov might it's, it might be a common name in some parts of the world. I don't know. But to me, when I think sci-fi and I hear that name, my mind goes right to Isaac Asimov. So. Okay. <clears throat> And uh, he's part of a crime syndicate, essentially, and they have stolen the drug known as Bloody Eye, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Asimov had stolen it from the syndicate, and not only is Spike and Jet going after this bounty, but his old syndicate buddies are coming after him too because he stole a big, uh, just a big shipment of these, or just a big cachet of these drugs, mm-hmm. and just trying to sell them because you know you you meet his uh, his better half, uh, Katarina, who you see her as pregnant through most of the episode. Um, which obviously plays in later, but you what you what you get in this episode, not to kind of run it from start to finish, but you get some really, really excellent action pieces. Um, they're paced very well. Um, this drug just sends uh, Asimov into just a bloody rage. Um, and of course you see that Spike clearly has, you know, a, a just really, you know, stout martial arts defense because <laughs> You know, there's a point in the episode where Asimov gets the drop on him, about chokes the life out of him until Katarina's like, no, let him go. We need to get out of here. But when he when he goes toe-to-toe with Spike, like he just can't put a hand on him. You know? Right. <clears throat> um, we also get to see this is the first time we see, I think Spike steals one of the vials, right? Yes. One of the vials of the blood eye, bloody eye. We get to kind of see how, like, not only is Spike like a professional bounty hunter, he's also like a, a pretty solid thief. Like, <laughs> he's quick with the hands, you know, a quick little pickpocket, and now he's got what the people are after, basically. Mm-hmm. Yep, and then, uh, you know, it all kind of comes to a head when you find out that, you know, Asimov is just, th- this drug's killing him. He's become super addicted to it. There's no, it, 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 <laughs> he's, he, he, he's, he's approaching Chris Benoit territory here, <laughs> uh, with this bloody eye. No, that's not, that's not funny. Um, but, here I am we're laughing anyway. Yep. That's, al- that's alcohol, kids. Um, but, so it all comes to a head when Katarina sees that he's not, this, this drug's going to eventually kill him. So she just, they're, they're escaping. They're, they, they leave uh, where they're at. They're trying to get to uh, the, uh, the, the hyperspace gate. Uh, there's a police blockade. She just pulls out a gun and just shoots Asimov right there in, the, in their ship. Um, and then at that point, the police just open fire and just obliterate the ship that she's, she's in. And you see this whole time, you know, you're thinking, oh my gosh, she's pregnant. But then you see that, well, you see earlier in the episode, she catches like a bullet grazes her on her stomach and some vials of bloody eye pop out. So she's not pregnant. She's just, she's the one holding the cash of these drugs. Right. Um, but she, the episode ends with her pretty much getting blown away. And Spike and Jet are back in the same boat. They were not able to get their bounty. And this will be, this becomes a recurring theme. Um, it goes back to that down on their luck thing I was talking about. Most of these episodes don't end well. Like, and I mean that in a sense where, yeah, maybe sometimes they get their man, sometimes they don't. But like, they're always left, like, almost feels like less, they're, they're in a worse condition than they were that they were in before the, the, this, this case started. 
Right. Um, yeah, like their ships are still getting beat up. That. Their ships are still getting beat up, like, and they're not getting the money for the bounties that they've been chasing. For instance, like the yep. whole episode. So, uh, so enjoy enjoy those bell peppers without the beef right. once again. <laughs> but you know, I mean, that's just the first episode. So it really just it puts the the pedal on the floor and just doesn't let up. Um, they really want you to let you know what you're getting into because you get you get a lot of the the genre tropes in this one. You get the you get the sci-fi. You get the western because where they're at, you know, has saloons and it's very, you know, very wild westish. You know, there's, you know, you get a lot of the harmonica and the steel guitar like solos going on in the episode. And you know, Spike at one point's wearing a poncho, you know, sitting with a sombrero over his face. So you you definitely get that you're in a you know a sci-fi western just right off the bat. Um, but then you just get these also these tropes of depression and loneliness. Like it just it it. it this first episode offers a lot, and it kind of sets the tone for the episodes coming after it. No, absolutely. It definitely does set the tone, which brings us right into episode two, The Stray Dog Strut. Um, oh, man, we get the cute pupper. This is, uh, go ahead, man. This is where we meet Ayn for the first time, the Data Dog himself. Yeah, the Data, he's a Welsh Corgi, right? Mm-hmm. And he's... Oh, cute butt. He's not, is he, he's like a robot dog, basically, essentially? No, he's like, no, he, he um... No, he just um, he's been experimented on, and he That's has um, he has human level intellect. That's right, human level intellect. He, he's okay. the smartest damn thing on the ship. Yeah. By, by, by the time it's all said and done. Yeah, and so we, before we get to meet Ayn, uh, basically Spike and Jet are on their way to Mars after a target mm-hmm. named Abdul Hakim. Which Chris, you got yep. the pop culture references ready for us here? Yeah. Um, so when you get the the, the glimpse, glimpse at him or a glimpse at him, um, he looks like just kind of you know white guy. But when you meet him in the episode. He had, you know, he his skin is darker. He has an afro because it looks. You see him first. He's unwrapping bandages on, from his face, like he's clearly needs to change his appearance to, you know, get away from the fuzz. But the reference here is, um, and it's, uh, another reference is made in this episode that puts it all together. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar uh, was in a Bruce Lee movie. I believe it was uh, Way of the Dragon or Enter. Uh, no, it was Way of the Dragon. I believe um, he played a villain in that episode. So this is kind of a nod to that. Um, and later in the episode, there's a nunchuck reference, uh, and they call it the Way of the Dragon model. So, you know, the, these Bruce Lee references are coming hot and heavy in this episode. Right, yeah, and actually Spike uses that to get some information out of the guy that... He does. It's like selling he the weapons, the basically. Yep. He's like, oh, you really know your stuff, bro. Is <laughs> that shitty 80s, like, surfer voice. Yeah. Uh, by the way, well, I did watch these in English dub, because... Other than like a side character here and there, I think the voice acting in the show is fucking phenomenal. Yeah, I agree. I also watched it in dubbed. Um, I have watched it in sub before, um, and it, mm-hmm. it's one of those sh- like shows. I know there's the dub versus sub war that always goes on. We don't really care as long as you're enjoying it. It doesn't matter to us. Um, yeah, but it's one and of the shows that I are top shelf. yeah, it's one of the shows I actually enjoy more in English. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure why that is. I just I, I really Probably do a enjoy. Really, just in do, do enjoy the like the voice actors, and I originally saw it dubbed, so. Yep. But this is uh, but in this episode again, I mean, not really a whole lot happening here. Um, Abdul Kareem is trying to trying to um, you know, sell this dog, or he stole it uh, with the intent to sell it, and the the scientists from the research facility are trying to get it back. Somehow, when it's all said and done, Spike and Jet end up with it on their ship. So they've uh, they've got the newest member uh, member of the crew of the Bebop, which uh. You know, in the name, the Bebop, we didn't mention this in episode one, the Bebop is the name of their ship, their home base. Right. So, we've got a little pepperoni and cheese joining the crew, um, which, 
you know, Spike and Jet are kind of impartial. They, they don't really, it, it's, it goes, you start to see here that, you know, while they, they're kind of set in their ways and just grumpy, they, they have hearts of gold. Right. Yeah, I th- they kind of make it seem like they don't like Iron, but I think in reality they actually do. Um, no, absolutely. And then uh, we kind of get, that's really about it. Um, after they get Iron, you know, now they got their third member of the Bebop, and then we move into episode three, and that's the Honky Tonk. The Honky Tonk one. This is where we meet uh, Faye Valentine. Uh, she's Faye, a, uh, a series favorite. Uh, a lot of people love this character. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, she's currently a wanted fugitive. Um, she's kind of like heavily addicted to gambling, um, so she's really oh, in yes. debt. Uh, <laughs> exactly, which is kind of her, her introduction here. Um, she's involved in a scam with a, uh, with a mob boss. Um, and it, it Spike just kind of showed was is there and just fucks up the whole thing because <laughs> um, I don't because I think initially they're not there for her because they don't know she has a bounty on her head until later in the episode. Um, it just happens to be one of those uh, that's number two. It sounds like, uh, but yes, like because <laughs> someone is supposed to leave her a chip like a poker chip and but like Spike takes it and yeah. she's like, yeah, hey, actually- you're supposed to. Well, she, I need that chip. Yeah, she has like a little screen that shows, and it's kind of like a blurry screen, so she can't really tell. Um, and Spike and the guy kind of look alike, at least from the picture that she sees. So she sees Spike, yep. and they say, "Hey, he's gonna, he's gonna win all this money, and then he's gonna lose it all and tip you the last chip, and that'll be the chip that that, yeah, that that's right, that's right, that the mob boss wants." Well, it turns out Spike keeps it, and she's like, she's kind of confused because yeah. she thinks this this is the guy that's in on the deal. And then him and Spike, the actual guy, run into each other. They both drop their chips, and they end up picking up the opposite. So Spike has yep. the chip that she's after, that the mob boss needs. And this guy just has like, a regular chip. But, like, Spike just straight calls her out. He's like, well, you shouldn't have been cheating at all of your hands. And right. she's like, what? And everybody just kind of turns on her immediately. And then all hell starts to break loose. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't seem but, uh, like Faye this, can really this, catch a break. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, this is this is an absolute great episode. Um, uh, the episode ends. Faye, um, she doesn't become a member of the crew yet. She uh, she gets what she needs out of this deal, takes a ship, and just pieces out. Right, and that that kind of actually uh, brings us into episode four, really. Um, mm-hmm. And this is actually a really good episode. There's a lot happening here. Um, it opens with Faye stranded because apparently she uh, you know she took the ship and she's been stranded out this whole time. Um, you know, eight, she's gone through all of her food. She's out of gas. Like she's just, she's running on fumes, literally. Um, but the the big thing here is, uh, you see, what kind of separates this one from the previous episodes is, um, they, it's not just a, like a singular person here. You're you're caught up in an extremist like eco terrorist group. Um, like an, they're they're an extremist animal rights group because um, the whole thing has to do with uh, protecting the sea rats. Right. Or manatee, is it manatee? But they call them sea rats pretty much in the entire episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they have, they have a weapon, basically, that can turn humans into apes, essentially. Yep, kind of devolves them. Right, and so they're, and they're chasing out, her name's Murdoch, the yep, uh, Maria Murdoch. Maria Twinkle Murdoch. Yeah. And she's got, like, uh, she's got, like, her little gang of people. Um, Except poor Harrison, they turn him back, right, right back into an ape. And I can't remember. They, this is where they come across the plant, right? Is this where they come across the plant? No, 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 no. That's this. This one is uh, they Faye, while she's out stranded, she comes across a wrecked ship and she finds uh this chemical weapon. 
That's right. That's right. Um, okay. Yeah, because the reason Spike and Jet happened to run into uh, the they're called the Space Warriors. That's the eco terrorism group. Um, they're 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 at a restaurant and they're clocking a bounty, um, but the bounty ends up getting killed by Twinkle Murdoch and her goons. Um, so they're like, "Well, shit!" And then they also find out that she's wanted. So they're like, "Well, you've killed the bounty we were after. I guess we'll just take you instead." Um, That's right, and she's actually worth more than their original bounty. Oh, well. absolutely. Um, so, what, but what happens is Faye, because uh, I guess the, the ISSP has a, an inside man, and they were able to get a, a sample of this chemical weapon. And I guess his ship got destroyed while he was taking it. Faye finds it, takes it, brings it back to the Bebop, and while they've got Twinkle Murdoch, um, while they've got her held captive, she sees it. She like. She starts freaking the fuck out because they're like, uh, because Spike's like manhandling and <laughs> like he doesn't know what it is, and they're just, you know, that's right. Yeah, so, he's like twisting it, trying to break it open, and she's like, yep, she's she's like losing it, and this just is where they sweating fucking bullets. Yeah, and this is they also they also on. lock Faye up again. Uh, they got so they got Faye and Murdoch both locked up. Um, yep. Um, but ultimately, again, going back to the same tropes of these things not ending well, like ultimately it boils down to. They're, they're, the Space Warriors are going to have, they have this chemical weapon, they're getting ready to fire it onto, I believe, it, I believe it's Mars? It's either Mars or a space station, I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched this one earlier in the week. It's on Ganymede, um, actually. It's on uh, Ganymede, okay. Yeah, Ganymede, okay, Gotcha. Yeah. So, but they're, they're shooting it from a hyperspace gate. Um, so Spike has to come in and kind of blow up the missiles that they're firing, but yeah, he gets some of them, but then they some of them split into smaller ones, and ultimately what they do is they they seal the gate uh, with Twinkle Murdoch and her ship inside. And Spike, being that sleight of hand master he is, uh, he ends up sneaking the the chemical weapon sample they had on the Bebop. He stuck it in her pocket when Twinkle Murdoch got released because there was a uh, they there was a deal that was made to have her released back to her crew. Um, and he just stows it in her pocket, and then um, while they're stuck in hyperspace, uh, it comes flying out of her pocket, and she sees it smash against the glass, and you know, that's the last we see of her and her goons. Right, yeah. Uh, now now I'm remembering, okay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. because yeah, I remember the, really reaction, the reaction in her face as, as the vial is like flying across, and it hits the windshield, and she's yeah, just like freaking out. Slow motion. Right. And this is where Faye officially joins, uh, joins the Bebop crew. Right. So our, our Motley crew is coming together very nicely, and we're only four episodes in. Um, but Cody, this is this is where now we're starting. To, you know, episode five, uh, Ballad of Fallen Angels. This is where we start getting glimpses into people's pasts. Mm-hmm. Um, this one kind of goes back to um, Spike. So you find out he was a, you know, essentially a hitman for the Red Dragon Syndicate. Um, this one's open. This one opens up with like peace treaties between two uh, rival syndicates, um, Mao Yin Rai of the Red Dragon Syndicate. And I don't think they ever mention the other guy's name, um, but they come to a peace deal. Uh, the other guy gets in his, uh, they get in their ship, and they're taking off, and the ship just explodes. Um, and then quickly, you see that all the the Red Dra- Mao Yin Rai's uh, goons have been quickly dispatched uh, by a silver-haired fellow with a uh, with a massive sword. Um, Sephiroth style, right? Um, and it's, you find out it's one of uh, one of Spike's old buddies. Um, his, his name is Vicious, um, and you kind of you get this kind of dying breath because he slits Malian Rai's throat, and he gets this die. He says in his dying breath that you know this wouldn't have happened if Spike was still here. Yeah. Um, 
And throughout this episode, you find little, just little hints about things where, you know, Spike and Vicious used to, again, they used to be, you know, buddies. They, you know, there was no job they couldn't accomplish. There was a falling out somewhere. Spike left this life. Um, there's a girl named Julia involved in here somehow. There's a this kind of twisted love triangle that you don't you, you don't really hear this stuff, but you see like Spike talking to Julia, then you see Vicious in bed with Julia. So like there's this kind of I right, well who what's going on here? There's a lot of that. Right. A lot a lot of questions are brought up here. Um, not all are answered, but you know we'll get to that. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and well, and this one comes to a head in a really nice cathedral battle between uh, you know Spike with his guns and Vicious with his swords. It has that you know iconic moment where you know Vicious goes for the stab, but like Spike gets his gun up and points it in his chest. That you know that nice cathedral standoff, as it were. Right, and Faye actually arrives in. She arrives at the cathedral as well, right? Uh, well, no, she. Earlier in the episode, she's collecting a bounty, I believe, on Mao Yin Rai. That's um, right. That's right. Because he has at like the a, opera house. Yeah, he has like a twenty-eight million Wulong bounty. He's like like a high bounty guy, and that's when oh, yeah. they tell her to be quiet during the uh, during the like the performance, right? Yep. Because because uh, you know his Mao Yin Rai is there, but he's already dead. Yeah, he's already vicious dead. Vicious when he finds her, because Vicious knows who she is. Mm-hmm. Um, and he pretty much captures her. Um. And I can't remember. I, again, this was one I watched earlier in the week, and I can't remember if you want Spike and Jet to uh, like come. Like, like Vicious wants Spike there, obviously. Right. And if he doesn't show up, I believe he kill, he's going to kill her. Yeah, and while, while that's all going on, Spike's going to see Annie, who's one of his old friends yes. from from the Red Dragon, uh, mm-hmm. and she's running like a sort of like a little shop. Um, and she's actually shocked to see that Spike's alive because she thought yeah, he had died uh, three years prior to this. There's those two kids. Uh, they, they're trying to. Uh, pickpocket a skin mag and, uh, <laughs> she chases him out the store she puts them both in a headlock she, she's a, she is a stout woman indeed um, and then she sees Spike and the kids weasel away but yeah like you find out there's some there's some, she's like um, you know it sounds like she was Spike's go to gal for information because they, they, they have that conversation where she's like well I know you wouldn't be here unless you needed information right and so, then so she gives him a gun she gives him some more bullets and then Spike kind of prepares to go chase after Vicious. Um, yep, and you start seeing more of the, you know, kind of what you saw in the initial episode with the uh, the flowers and the, the, the kind of everything's gray. Spike's wearing the trench coat. You see the rose in the puddle. You know, a lot of the symbolism you saw in the first episode, you kind of start to see that here. So you, you're kind of left thinking, oh, well, was that the first four episodes, was that just a flashback to bring us here? Um, yes and no. It definitely. I mean, this was this was clearly something that happened before, um, especially once you start hearing the dialogue between uh, Spike and Vicious when they're having their battle. Right. So um, this episode, like like we got to before, it comes to a head. Vicious has Faye. Uh, she actually calls the Bebop. She manages uh-huh. to like wiggle her way out and call him. Um, lets him know that Vicious has her. Basically, Jet doesn't want Spike to go into it because he knows it's a trap. He kind of wants. Yep. To leave Faye to get out of her own problems, um, but Spike obviously he wants to go after Vicious um, for his Which path. Is kind of like their running motif the entire time. They're like, "Oh, she's fucked up. Let her deal with it herself." Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Vicious is waiting for Spike at the cathedral, um, and uh, basically Spike goes in there, draws his weapon. Um, a kind of a, a large like gunfight ensues. Um, 
which involves Spike pretty much just taking out everybody outside of Vicious. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because like it starts where they're like Spike, they, like they tell him to put his gun down. He just blows that guy away. That's like holding Faye. Uh, this this is when you kind of realize that you know Spike is not someone to fuck with. And he, you know, you, you notice in the first couple episodes that he's pretty badass, but I mean, he was he was a cold blooded killer. He was not Spike was not a good person. <clears throat> um, in this past life as a hitman for the you know for this Red Dragon syndicate, and it just shows just how how ruthlessly effective he is at just laying waste to these goons. Right, and, and he still gets hit by a couple bullets, um, but oh, yeah, you know no, he gets peppered. But eventually, it makes it down to him and Vicious, um, and they kind of have their little their little tussle, which ends in I think Spike gets stabbed at least once or twice. He gets he gets like oh, slashed yeah. across the face. Um, and he kind of gets kicked, like, is it out of the window or off the balcony? Um, we see that. Uh, it's, it's out of a window because he comes, he comes crashing out of a window, but leaves uh, leaves some nice grenades in there right. for uh, vicious. Yeah, so we see Spike falling for what seems like an eternity, um, <laughs> and then you see the explosion happen, and then next thing you know, here we are three days later. We kind of get some flashback memories of um, what seems okay, to be Julia. what seems to be Julia, like taking care of Spike. Um, and she's like singing, she, or singing or humming a song. Mm-hmm. And then flash forward, it's three days after this incident, and it's actually Faye humming along to Spike. And uh, he kind of just says, hey, your singing's off key, basically. <laughs> and then she like mollywops him with a pillow and like throws her card. And this is, this is kind of nice. It, it's for an episode that's pretty like deep and like just violent. Like this one actually has one of the more lighthearted endings. Yeah, even though he's in like a full body cast, and like <laughs> oh, yeah, he's, he's mummied up. And uh, yeah, and that's actually the last we see of Vicious for a little while. Um, so we'll get mm-hmm. back to him here soon. Um, but yeah, next yeah, up, because... oh, no, please go ahead. Yeah, so then after this, we get a couple more of these like um, sort of one-off storylines where it's just more mm-hmm. character development, essentially. Yeah, back uh, to the villain of the week uh, type formula here. Yeah, where it's like it's not too seriously; it's not part of like the real. Like like you said, like the overarching narrative, I guess is how you'd put it. Um, but they're chasing after this little boy, um, or what they think is a little boy. Um, but it turns out he was actually involved in the Astral Gate accident, um, which is kind of what like really like destroyed, not necessarily destroyed the Earth, but killed a large portion of their like population essentially. And his name's Wynn. Yeah, this, this was Wynn. Okay. Yeah, this is a yeah, neat Wynn. episode. Um, just because um, there's this, this is the the first episode where you get like a super heavy kind of sci-fi trope, mm-hmm. whereas everything else has been more kind of noiry. This one has like a, a, a deep sci-fi mystery because like you see this kid, you know, he's got this person in a wheelchair next to him, so you think, oh, you know, he's taking care of his parents. You know, he's but this is you know this kid's just just wailing away on this harmonica <laughs> when it opens up, just just face melting <laughs> harmonica solos here, just 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 going to town. Um, but then you start the, the mystery starts to unravel a little bit because there's there's somebody there that's like looking for the kid, um, but you don't, don't know why he's looking for the kid. Um, but also this person, I believe his name is Giraffe, and that's who Spike and Jet are there at this club looking for. Um, but then as the mystery unfolds, because uh, Giraffe ends up getting shot out of a window of a high rise, which. Oddly enough, I don't, I, I don't know how true this is. I've read this in a couple places that this episode actually got delayed being aired in the U.S. because of 9/11 and the whole fact you know, there was you know that famous you know that that now famous sad uh, 
video of the guy like you know just tumbling out of the high rise. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I don't know they 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 kind of liken that to this, even though Spike catches him. But you know they I, I guess it was just one of those too soon kind of things. They right. want to you know they delayed it a little bit. They said I, I don't know how true that is. So if you know somebody listening, if they want to confirm that that actually happened again, I read this on a couple sites. Um, but I don't know how, how factual it is. I don't know how much of uh, things were weird back then. Um, there was a lot that was delayed or changed or censored just you know around that time because it just wasn't <laughs> things really weren't chill around that time. Right. Um, but you find out in this episode that this kid's like like he's like ninety years old. Yeah, I think um, it, because yeah. they find a news clipping of of him and like somebody else in the wheelchair. They're like, wait a minute, that's not that's not the guy who was in the wheelchair. But, and this is this article's from like 30 years ago. There's a lot of science involved here because whatever happened to that incident, uh, there was it, it affected him in a way that caused him not to age. Uh, and that's important because the, uh, the I hate to use the word MacGuffin because it's something that everybody likes to use these days, but it is what it is. It's an old movie term. Um, the giraffe, when he gets shot out of the building, he has this ring on him that Spike takes. Mm-hmm. Um, and the kid wants it. Um, and we find out later in the episode that whatever's in that ring is the key to him. Is the kid the kid essentially can't die? Yeah, he, he, um, he's prohibited from aging. Yeah. So they they take they, when they find this out, they they take whatever's in this ring and they uh, they make a, a a bullet head out of it. And Spike is just he's gonna kill him. Like it's just there's no two ways to it. Spike is just going to go and kill this kid. It takes the sting out of it when you realize he's not a kid. Right. But, you know, when you're showing it on TV, you're watching a guy just, just face melt a kid with a gun. Um, that, that might have had something with it being delayed as well, but I don't yeah. believe it was censored at all. I, I think the only thing they took out um, when they first aired it in the States was the actual, like, bullet wound in his head. Um, they just kind of, like, it was just kind of, like, almost, like, shadowed over when they showed him getting shot. Because um, they He shoots him. And, you know, and, like, he starts shooting at Spike, like, a bullet grazes him in the cheek. Like, Spike is, like, Spike is there to party. He's, he's not there to fuck around. You know, Spike right. does not flinch at all. Yeah, I think Spike, I think, I think he also takes a bullet to the arm. So Spike's been getting beat uh, up. I believe so. Yeah, he gets beat up quite oh, a bit, yeah. but he's, uh, he's one tough character, so. And then, after, when he shoots the kid with the bullet, or not the kid, he's an old man, he's just in the kid's body. Um, yep. This is where we see him, like, rapidly, rapidly age. Um and then eventually, obviously, pass away. Um, yes, yeah, he died, like he ages and dies like almost instantly. But it's it's kind of weird. You don't know if it's the bullet wound that kills him, if it's just the or if it's the rapid rapid aging that kills him, right? Um, because he's 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 still very much alive after the bullet hits him. Mm-hmm. But it's not. It almost seems like he has a heart attack. It just falls over and croaks. Yeah, and this is another one of those episodes where like it starts off. They're chasing a guy, and this is before they know about the kid about when and uh he gets killed so they lose their bounty um but they're still kind of involved in the like in the adventure um so once again you know they're left high and dry no money for the ships nothing um (laughs) bell peppers and no beef (laughs) that's right Uh, back back to that poor bastards uh, and then we that pretty much wraps up that episode kind of brings us in next we have the heavy metal queen um such a good episode yeah this is another one chock full of pop culture references, mm-hmm. um, and I like this one because again, this is this is where you start to see more of this really 
lived-in world that they're in. We're talking Space Truckers, which is an awesome movie, by the way. You know, it's got like, Stephen Dorff and Dennis Hopper. That was the first thing I thought of when I saw this episode, by the way. It came out in 96. Bebop came out in 98. I'd be, just, there's just no androids in this episode, and there are in um, Space Truckers. So I would not be surprised if there was some kind of influence there just on like the... Uh, just like the, the the style of the characters and just the fact that I mean this episode is literally about just big rigs in space and like just the just the hard fucking hairy knuckled ass people that you know <laughs> just no just no shit just you know they eat they eat rocks and crap lightning just tough as nails people that do this um and one of the cool things um they're after a, they're after a bounty named Decker. Mm-hmm. So they they find themselves in these various bars um, at this uh, this port, I guess, where um, uh, we meet. Well, let me back up a little bit. The the, the main like side character this episode is a, a character named VT. Um, it's a she's a woman named VT, um, and she has this kind of going this running bet where you know because nobody knows her name. Um, so people come up and say, "Hey, I know your name," and she pulls out this wad of cash from the bets that she's won. And the person guesses. She's like, nope, takes his money, throws it in the stack, throws the stack in her jacket, and goes to get a drink. Um, and you find out very quickly when she gets to this bar that she fucking hates bounty hunters, like loathes them. They're scum to her, mm-hmm. um, which is important, and we'll get into that in a minute. But she's like, why is everybody here? Well, this is where you find out there's this high, this high, um, high, t- high priority target named Decker, um, which could be a Blade Runner reference. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. There's you, you you could you could you know there's that's a loose connect, but you could easily you know yeah. Well, one there. With, with all the pop culture references, I could see it being uh, a real reference. Mm-hmm. Well, because this one's funny, right? Because uh, they're Faye is in this little they're in this this bar with all these uh, these these you know bounty hunters, but Faye is in this like little ice cream parlor place called Woody's. Um, and she sees this guy walk in, this massive dude with like what looks like a dragon tattoo. Because they, they're going by, he's got a dragon tattoo. So Faye sees this big burly motherfucker with a uh, with a tattoo on his chest. She's like, oh, that's the guy I'm going in. So she points a gun at him. But there's like this real squirrely little fella in the booth next to him um, who actually, I, I, he looks like Woody Allen. And they're in a place called Woody. So I'd be willing to bet that that's another kind of, you know, tongue-in-cheek reference. Mm-hmm. Um but he's actually the target. He has, and they don't realize it until um, Faye's like, "Hey, go call the police! I got this uh, target. I want to get him. You know, want to get him into custody." And he just kind of skedaddles away. And as he's going out, you see this dragon tattoo on his arm. And Faye's like, "Fuck!" And she rips the guy's shirt off, and it's this little like cartoony kind of. It's an eel. Just, yeah, of an eel. And he's like, "I just like eels." And yeah. She's like, "Well, next time, cover it up." <laughs> she just runs after uh, fucking Decker. Yeah, it's probably like one um, of my favorite Faye moments so far in the show. Yeah. Um, Absolutely, but yeah. Then they continue to chase Decker. Uh, we also this just a brief touch on it. This is where the music in this episode gets very he- like heavy metal. Obviously, it's called heavy metal. Clearly, yeah, um, she's just blaring that shit in the <laughs> truck. It's awesome. The reason yeah that becomes relevant is they uh, so they're in this bar. These three people pick a fight with a VT. These three bounty hunters, and um, she kicks the shit out of one of them. The other two join in. Spike kicks the shit out of the other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and her and VT have a drink. They throw them out of the bar. Um, well, while they're talking, like they're, I mean, they're actually having like a good conversation. Um, but while they're there, uh, Jet comes over Spike's radio, and she's like, oh, fuck, you're a bounty hunter, too? Get lost. Like, 
So, you know, he pays for his drink and leaves, but you find out those three uh, bounty hunters just graffitied up the swordfish, which is Spike's ship. Um, it, it's like trashed. So, so when she leaves the bar, he's just straight like thumbs out, guns out, ready <laughs> yeah. to hitchhike. Right. Yeah, and, and she they also the- pick up Faye because her ship got fucking wrecked too because uh, Decker has these explosives, and, you know, and he just cripples Faye's ship when she's given chase to him. Right, and this is actually where where the heavy metal music gets brought up because while Faye and Spike and her are kind of chatting, VT just cranks it. And, uh, <laughs> and speaking of which, to, to kind of derail us for a hot second, I realized uh, for episode two, it's not Way of the Dragon that references Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. It's Game of Death. Yeah, I actually had pulled that up, and uh, but we yeah, had already it took me, it took me like it took me like seven episodes to remember, and I was like, ah, fuck it, I'll mention it later. I'm not worried about it. Yeah, I have I have a tab open right now that says Kareem Abdul Jabbar movies, and uh, <laughs> yeah, but we had already passed it. Um, exactly, whatever. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. You know what? We'll roll with it. Um, but yeah, so basically, VT gives Spike and Faye, along with their damaged aircrafts, a ride back, um, and then she kind of does like the CB. Uh, radio call to the other ships to, just to keep an eye out for Deckard's ship. Yep, because it's got, it's got like these dragon markings all over the, the trailer that it's hauling. And she so gets very, disti- very distinguishable. And she gets a, a couple, uh, she gets varying responses from that, uh, but she does get one, uh, kind of like a hint. Um, so she gives Spike a call, uh, and then, because Decker is carrying these explosives, um, so Spike and Faye, they leave, uh, their ships don't have any guns at this moment, I don't think, um, just because they haven't been fully repaired. Jet only got mm-hmm. a little bit of time to work on them, really. Yep. And uh, so they're chasing Decker. He's dropping these explosives behind him. Um, and this is where VT escapes. Right, let's see. No, yeah, no, no. There's, a lot of, there's a lot going on here. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Ultimately, it boils down to somebody trying to blow shit up, right. and he's got a... Trying to remember, yeah, because he has enough. Uh, they have to get out of there because he has explosives to really like blow a hole in the entire asteroid like field, basically oh, yeah. that they're in. Pretty much, yeah. It's, it, he is chopped to the brim, and they. I what happens here is uh, they they need to get one of those explosives out of there, and Spike comes up with this crazy ass idea to. Well, I'm going to launch this pod. I want you to throw it in the pod, and we're going to launch it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so Spike does the old set the timer, hold his breath, flips up and he flips up into the ship, but, uh, isn't able to grab, uh, VT's, VT's hand. hand and he ends up the, like debris starts knocking him away. And he has to use his gun as like a propeller to get himself back closer to the ship. So we got some, uh, some space parkour going on here yeah, with Spike, which is kind of nice. There's a lot of crazy stuff happens. This is where he shoots the gun, uses the momentum, jumps off the other thing, then finally gets back to VT. It's very uh very intense moment after like a huge high speed chase through space basically, all to stop this guy from exploding all these explosives essentially. Um, yep. But they make yeah. it out. They get out of there in time. Um, they save they, they save the day. They get out in time. But this is where it kind of comes all all together where uh, Spike is able to guess her name because um, she know, apparently her husband and this might be part of the reason she loathes bounty hunters. Um, is her husband, her and her husband, both were actually bounty hunters. Yeah, they're um, actually like... Or renowned, at least yeah, her leg- husband was. Her yeah, husband yeah, was yeah, very was, much renowned. Yeah, he was legendary. Um, and he had died before, um, and she kind of reveals that he... I think Spike says something like, uh, 
like this is yeah. this is for your husband or something along those lines. She's like, oh, he, he actually passed away, um, so he's doing yeah, his bounty hunting. Doesn't heaven. take the money when he guesses because she pulls out the stack when he goes to guess and he guesses and he just takes like one out of the stack and he's like, hey, give the rest to your husband. That's right. That's right. She's like, well, he's dead. So and then they have kind of this uh this heartfelt conversation, which is kind of cool. Um, because Cody, you said that there was a there's a side story like an OVA or something about those two. Yeah, it's actually like an official side story that kind of goes through VT and her husband. Her name is her husband's Earl Ural or Earl. Uh, I'm not sure Ural. how. You, yeah, Ural. Uh, Ural. I'm gonna try to pronounce that last name. Tepescore, Ural Tepescore, and Victoria Tepescore. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like an official side story. Uh, it's available. I guess you just have to Google it. The, the Wikipedia page doesn't really list anything about it. It just says the story was available on its own official site. However, the website was closed and is currently available at the site mirror. So now, is this a, an anime or is it a, a, a manga? That's what I don't know. So we'll have to look into that and we'll get back and let the podcast know. Um, but we'll look I mean, into that. It's kind of readable. I'll totally fucking read it. Yeah, it's kind of like I'm the mishmash. It's kind of like the mishmash blues thing. It's like something that not many people have heard of. Um, I, I didn't know about it. I was today years old when I heard about it. Yeah, it's kind of like we're deep diving into Cowboy Bebop and we're learning all kinds of new things, really. So. Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. But yeah, and then we get... No, oh, go ahead. No, no, please. Continue, sir. I'm, I'm, I'm sipping whiskey. You, you just you just keep on talking. Give me those soothing sounds, sir, <laughs> okay. as we get into the next episode. You need a soothing sound, Chris? I got one for you. Oh, we're three deep, huh? There we go. All right, so now we're going into the waltz for Venus. Um... Basically, face by episode eight, I believe. Is this is episode eight, yeah. Following along. Uh, and this is where Spike meets Rocco. Um. Yeah, fucking <laughs> Rocco. This one, this episode's fun. Like it starts very Passenger Fifty Seven esque. Uh, they they actually collect their bounty on this one. They fucking get their man. <laughs> one of the very very they get few the times. Job done. Fucking fucking mission accomplished. Call George Bush. Um, <laughs> but. In, in, in the process of this, uh, Rocco, or Rocco, I believe is how they pronounce it in the show. I, I like Rocco. Rocco seems more, you yeah. know. It reminds like, me, of, you know, I like Rocco's modern life, so. Yeah, that and, like, the way he follows Spike around is like those old cartoons where you had the little, the big fucking bulldog and the little yippy dog was following. Oh, Rocco, can you show me this? That, you know, whatever. It's an old, oh, I'm, I'm aging myself with these Looney Tunes references. But uh, he <laughs> wants, like, Spike to teach him, like, how to fight, like, kung fu pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, Spike very, you know, reluctantly says yes, kind of, but, um, and they also find out a little bit more about, uh, Roko here that he's actually just a little small, he's, you know, a little small fry, uh, crook here that stole a, a plant, a rare and valuable plant, mm-hmm. um, the gray ash. in the process of this, if he finds out it's more valuable than he is. Yeah. The plant is called the gray ash, I believe. Yes, because uh, they find out when they, uh, after, the, after uh, like, Spike pretty much tells Roko, no, that I'm not going to do anything with you, they get back to the Bebop, and they find that these other gang members, and they're like, oh, shit, Spike's like, no, I know that guy. Um, so yeah. they go after him. Yeah, because I think after Spike's training him a little bit, and this is where we get some more, like, Bruce Lee, like, be like water references. Yep, that's another pop culture Bruce uh, Lee reference. Roko gives him the, well, he gives him a package, essentially, and says, hey, meet me here later. And I think he ends up looking inside of it, realizing what it is. They look it up. They find out yeah, it's, the, it's to cure a blindness disease called the Venus sickness. Yep, which turns out uh, Roko's sister 
have been affected by the Venus sickness, and that's why that's why he wants the plant. That's why he stole it in the first place. Right, and also one more uh, pop culture reference from this episode. This episode uh-huh. actually starts off with Spike and Faye, and they're on like this shuttle uh, to catch a trio of hijackers. Um, yep, the uh, Passenger 57 stuff. Yeah, I don't know if you noticed the names of them, but their names are Huey, Louie, and Dewey. When he like yes, a little Ducktales reference. Yeah, yeah, when he when he goes to cat get basically get the Wuglongs for the reward. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. just another little pop culture reference there. Uh, that was fun. But yeah, Rocco's sister Stella, um, Spike lines basically that she has the sickness and is completely blind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's blind as shit. No, <laughs> uh, nah, but um, what what ends up happening here? Not to you know again, not to deep dive into it. Um, the the crime, the gang goons come after Rocco. They want the plant. Um, Spike, you know, helps Rocco here. Um, Rocco finally he gets a chance to learn, use what Spike taught him. He sees a goon coming after him, and he gets him with the old judo flip, yeah, <laughs> power style. But then, you know, as he turns around to be like, "I did it," he just gets fucking blasted through the chest. Right, and this is where like, there's another moment in the show where it, it just gets dark, like. You think everything's gonna kind of be okay, but no, no. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not. Yeah, it's not at all. So they they get the goons, they get away. So Spike goes to visit Stella in the hospital, and she's like, "Well, you tell my brother to get in here. You tell him to come visit me." And he's like, "Yeah, about that." Right. And she kind of so, like she kind of realizes what's what's happened that Rocco's been. Yeah, oh, Rocco. is he in jail? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's rough. It's absolutely rough. Um. Again, now we're kind of back to that, uh, you know, that not so happy ending. Which it's it's normally I'm not I'm not a fan of all that stuff, but thankfully, like, just the characters are so endearing throughout this that you're just like, fuck, man, I want to see him get a win. You want to see him get a win, right? You're just with it, and thankfully, Cody, thankfully, we we get we our our prayer is answered and a lot more whimsy is added to the show in the next episode because now we meet the final member of the bebop yep we get to we finally get to meet radical edward uh the next episode episode uh nine Mm. jamming with edward um this is fun this is fun um really the premise here there's a giant satellite that's like carving things into earth's surface um a bounty gets put out, um, and they they think that it's for the person doing it is a computer hacker called Radical Edward. Um, and what's fun about this is they ask around because like no one really knows who this person is. So you hear like, oh, he's seven foot tall. He's an ex basketball player. Oh, it's an alien from another world. It just goes on. It becomes like this quasi like Vash the Stampede thing. Like no one knows what this person look like looks like. Um, so it's kind of fun when you find out that it's just this this kid, this just super eccentric on the spec. I mean, you'll, you'll you'll never convince me that Ed's not on the spectrum, <laughs> and that's that's half of uh, her character, which again goes like most of the episode. And the first time you watch it, you don't know if Ed's a boy or a girl. Um, but they they give you the, the low hanging fruit, the throwaway line at the end where. It's like, I didn't know you were a girl or something like that. It's like, okay, well, fine. And like, the more I watch it, like, it's so easy to tell that Ed, Ed is a girl. But, um, like, Ed is just absolutely hysterical. Yeah, just, yeah we have, like, some... Super all over the place. You have some of the members, like, the Earth Police Department. They're coming after him, and Ed 
she, I said he, but it's a she, like you said, um, she's so good with hacking, like, she ends up hacking their ship, and ends up, like, crash landing it, because she's kind of, like, flying, like, a little remote control, like, type plane helicopter type thing, like a little drone, yep. and then they show up, and she's like, oh, I can just hack this real quick, now, she's crashed their plane, um, yeah, because uh, Faye made her a, a promise that they'll take her away on the bebop, and they, they try to fucking peace out without her, and she's like, nah. She just pulls out the old fucking Tyco RC remote and brings that ship right on back around. Yeah, so this is where... It's so great. Yeah, and this, yeah, this like you said, this is the final member of the bebop crew. Um, yeah, because Ed actually knows about the bebop and wants to be, like, wants to be a part of it, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. Um and also, what's really what I really like about Ed joining the crew is now, like, because for the most part, throughout the, like, you don't really get much with Ayn. Like, Ayn is just there as like, just kind of like a like, like a I don't know I don't really know what the right word is. Like, because there, there's an episode I believe it's um, I don't know if it was this one or the one before where like the episode opens like Ayn's food bowl is empty and like Faye reaches into the fridge, grabs the dog food, and just starts fucking eating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, and Ayn's just like. Uh, so like uh, I like the fact that Ed and I like hit it off immediately now you've got like this fun like Shaggy and Scooby-esque you know comedy duo Mm -hmm. but they're still like like, but like they're still like very integral to the the show because like because Ed is just amazing with computers like nothing nothing she can't hack into right 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 yeah so we, we have the full crew has been assembled um and that really puts us, now we're going, now in the next episode, it's called Ganymede, is it Elegy? Is that what that word is? Sounds good to me, man. Elegy, Elegy, something. Something yeah. along those lines. But this is the episode where we kind of get to dive in to a little bit of Jet's past. Which is cool, because outside of, like, interactions with, uh, you know, like, old, like, ISSP buddies, I mean, you, you know that Jet, at this point, you know that Jet was a former member of the ISSP. I believe, what, what was he, the Black Dog, I believe is what they, they called him. Yeah, some, or something like that. Something along those lines, like where he, he like once he gets a hold of something, he never lets it go. Yeah, um, but you find out he was a former ISSP agent. And th- again, this episode you actually learn a lot about his uh, his personal life, and this episode kind of takes you into a failed relationship of his. Yeah, his nickname was the Black Dog. Okay. The Black Dog. Okay. Yeah, so this is where then, we um, this is where we meet uh, Donnelly, who's kind of like uh, he's the guy that appears and tells them when they're about to land. Basically, they're chasing after a bounty, and they kind of like reminisce, catch up a little bit. Um, and then Jet Donnelly actually gives Jet kind of like an inside scoop on Elisa, yep. um, which is a woman from Jet's past, essentially. So he goes to her bar, mm-hmm. um, and he kind of. Well, the reason they're there is the bounty is actually well, you find out, but the bounty they're after a bounty who's like. A, in deep with some loan sharks, and he actually ended up killing one of the loan sharks that were coming after. Right, right, right. And I think Jet doesn't even know that Rent, that's the guy's name, he doesn't know that he's a bounty yet, I don't believe. I think he's just after uh, Elisa at this point. Yeah, I think Spike's the only one who knows that it's a bounty at this point. Yeah, he kind of walks in, and you see this guy kind of like reaching his jacket and just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then like, Elisa says, hey, it's okay. He's, he's a guest of mine, essentially. Um, meanwhile, Faye and Spike back on the ship... They realize that this this is like a bounty that they have to go after. So it's kind of like I, I think this is the episode where Faye eats Ayn's dog food. I think that happens like <laughs> right at the beginning because like this is the episode I think where Faye's like just chilling on like the deck, getting sun the whole time. Yeah, yes, we, yes, yeah. because Edward's there, um, and 
she's she's like looking at Faye. She's like, "What's this all over your body?" She like starts rubbing her head like on her like sunscreen and shit. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's funny. Um, but yeah, so we kind of get to learn. Uh, essentially, Elisa basically walked out on Jet in their past, mm-hmm. um, and Jet's just basically he's going after her just to find out why. He's not like angry. He's not really upset with her. He just kind of. He's went, not looking to put things back together or anything. He just wants closure. You know, yeah, as yeah. most people would want in a situation like this. Right. And so... Um, you find out she's just a bitch. <laughs> yeah, apparently she's she's she was upset that Jet essentially was making all of the decisions. Um, Which is fine. I mean, yeah. I, I can I can understand that. I'm not... That was, that was, a, that was a low blow. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, the alcohol talking. Yeah, but you, you kind of sympathize with her and then sometimes you kind of don't. Um, she kind of wants to be free and make her own decisions, even though yeah. she admits that everything she that felt trapped. yeah, and she admits that everything Jet says would be like ended up being true. Um, yep. So you kind of feel yeah, bad they, for him. Um, but, yeah, because they have this moment at the end um, when it's all when the episode's coming to a close, where she like uh, she she kind of tells him she's like you know I was just tired of you making all the decisions. I was essentially just saying that he was always controlling, but she was like. God, you know, like, God damn it, you were always right, though. Mm-hmm. Every decision you made, you were right. And this is another one of those few and far between episodes where there's kind of like some positivity. Like, Jet gets some closure. He throws, like, the watch that she had given that she had left him mm-hmm. before, throws it into yep. the water. Um, she's free to live her own life. Obviously, they capture Rent. Um, yep, and they mention that he's probably going to, you know, that he's probably going to get off with a, uh, with just a, a self defense plea. Right. Um, just based on what happened. So like this one does kind of end, uh, you know, better, um, which is good. Which is good because we we need we need a win. We need a win at the end here. And you know, you th- this is you know for a while this you don't really see much about Jet's past. You know, for a little bit here mm-hmm. because we get into the next episode where it is. <laughs> you want to talk about a, like this is a filler episode, but this is another one that's one of my favorites. Um, full of pop culture references and just probably the greatest life lesson that you could ever learn. Um, this one's called Toys in the Attic, where uh, pretty much like there's no bounties going on. Like they're broke. They're just they're just kind of wandering about in space. You know, kind of taking some down. Like un, you know, they they don't want to take downtime, but they're kind of forced to at this point because there's just nothing, there's fucking nothing going on. Well, Faye is swindling Jet out of out of the shirt off his back. Because she has this dice game that she's cheating at. Because she's got loaded magnetic dice or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so she she you know just takes every ticket for all he's got. Um, Jet's wandering around the ship and he's in this storage room and he finds this old ass refrigerator. And <laughs> then like the, Spike is like telling Faye like you know why don't you at least give Jet his clothes back? Because um, she's like tallying up like everything that he's got like what it's worth and. He's like, well, why don't you just give him his clothes back? She's like, well, I'll rent him to him. So, like, you know, she's just being just a, just a cold piece of work at this point. <laughs> yeah, and this but is... They, the, the alarms in the ship start going off at this point. Yeah, we start getting some, like, kind of, like, some of those cheesy, like, horror movie elements where, like, you see, like, you don't know what the creature is exactly, but you see it, like, running through the ship's halls and stuff like that. Oh, dude, this episode is just straight up Alien. Just yeah, straight yeah. up the original Alien. Yeah, somewhat, it. yeah. And then uh, they kind of come across Jet, and he says he's been bit. Um, and I think he, he ends up like 
kind of like passing out sort of, and they see like the purple mark yeah. on the back of his neck. Well, yeah, he gets real sick, but they think it's a rat because where he's in, where this fridge is, they see a rat like scutter off, but like mm-hmm. Ein is like, like barking at something in the shadows. Yeah, he's like losing it. Um, so they kind of like brushed off, like oh, he just got bit by a rat, no big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think Faye ends up getting bit next, right? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Faye is the next one to because like. You, you see it like it, it's just one of those things where you see like the point of view of the creature and they're you know creeping up on people. Um, Faye gets bit next, then um, Ed, Ed comes in to help, and they have like this thermal like gear, like it, like it, it's almost like Predator at this point where they're they've got like the the heat vision, mm-hmm. and uh, Ein starts barking and runs off, and Ed chases after Ein, and Spike's got these goggles on, and he sees this like little blop like going across the uh, floor. And like it just scutters off, and that's when they're like, "Okay, they, there's something here." So Ein gets bit next. Um, Ed, I don't believe, gets bit at all. But Spike's looking for this thing, um, and he fucking geared. He you know he sees everybody's out of commission. He gears up, and it's very much like Alien. He's got a fucking flamethrower. He's got a net. He's got the little tracker. He's got, he is just gillied up, ready to find this thing. <laughs> and he's having this monologue. And you find out that it, this whole thing stemmed because he left some like lobster or some shit in the fridge like a year ago, and this fridge was disconnected, like thrown in the storage area. So yeah, I, he I, goes back to the fridge and like opens it up, and it is just <laughs> like so foul, and just absolutely fucking disgusting. Yeah, if, we haven't really mentioned it, but Spike's kind of like a foodie. Like he he likes like Dog. he likes his food. Um, and so he basically had gotten a hold of a Ganymede rock lobster and stored it in the fridge so that no one could eat it. Um, and then obviously forgot about it. Now this is him going back to the fridge and opening oh, yeah. it. And like Chris said, it's it's foul. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, he, and then it has, there's like this. So he's like, well, I need to go ahead and get this thing out of here because um, he determines that you know, this, this is where this fucking thing came from. <laughs> so you have this alien-esque moment where like Spike's trying to get this this fridge out of the airlock yeah. and the door starts to open and then uh, something, uh, the little blob is like on the side of the fridge and it gets Spike and like gets on his arm yeah. so it poisons him. Um, so, and now the fridge is starting to come back up into the airlock so he has to like, you know, he's, he's, he's baiting fast and he's got to open up the airlock and shoot the uh, fucking fridge out. Um, <laughs> so he gets the fridge out but the blob retreats into the ship <laughs> and I don't know but like, this is so, it. it flashes to Ed, like kind of like later on. Spike gives dude, the fuck. he gives the the lesson of the episode, which is uh, and the ultimate life lesson: fucking don't leave stuff in your fridge. Yeah, and yeah. I don't know about you, Cody. I have had I have forgotten about takeout or something in my fridge, and I have seen it take on a new life. Oh man, it's happened. It's happened to the best of us. Uh, but later on, you see Ed, and she's she's kind of sleeping, and uh, she's kind of like barely even awake. Um, and you see like the the monsters, the like the little blob, and it's moving like towards her, and she just grabs down it. Down the fucking hatch! Just down <laughs> the hatch! And just eats it, and then, and that's it. Really. Goes right back to fucking sleep. And then you get the see you later, space cowboy, and you're like, all right, well, very <laughs> that's great, <laughs> very carefree episode. Uh, I don't think we, they never really touch on like what happened with their bites, how they were healed. They were just yeah. they just kind of move that along. Was, that was it. <laughs> That was it. Ed just Ed took care of the problem, uh, which is good. I'm glad we had this kind of whimsical episode because 
the next two, which rounds out the first half of the season, because we get our first two-parter, um, the mid-series finale, Jupiter Jazz Parts 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. Um, these are excellent episodes, um, because there's, there's a lot happening here. Um, it just... You know, I don't know if Faye just is tired of things, so she's just up and pieces out. Uh, takes their money, disconnects all the coolant, just just, just takes their shit and rolls out. Um, with a with a please don't come after me kind of thing. But mm-hmm. they're like, well, at least Jet's like, well, you took my money. You, right. you, you dumped my safe and took my money. So they they try to they 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 try to track her down, um, but they use Ed to try to maybe find out maybe where she's been, maybe she you know, she left some clues. But they find a, a, a transmission, like an encoded transmission, codenamed Julia. And you know, Spike hears that name, and he just, like, whatever, whatever's in his mouth just hits the floor immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the cigarette hits the ground. Anytime he hears Julia's name, really, he... Yeah. Um, so that takes us to uh, Callisto, one of the moons of uh, Jupiter. Uh, but before we get there, we get to see Vicious again. Vicious is now talking to the van who I believe are the elders or whoever's in charge of the Red Dragon Syndicate. Um, and he's saying he's going to Callisto uh, because he's been requested to go there for this drug deal. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody specifically requested him, and they're like they're, they're kind of against it, but he's just going to do it anyway. And they're like, well, make sure you dress right. And he's like, well, cold weather doesn't concern me. And they're like, oh, yeah, because, you, know, you know, you've got the blood of a serpent or some shit. They're, they're talking shit, but then you meet a character named Lynn, who um, has a past with them as well. And he's, they're like, oh, Lynn's going to come with you. And, I mean, Vicious is kind of against it. He's just like, you know, you're, you're going to be in the way. You're, you're pretty much like, you know, pretty much just telling Lynn that you know, you're going to die by being here kind of thing. Yeah, and he actually tells Lynn that he'll have to betray him at times to survive. Yep. And Lynn's like, well, I'll be loyal. Okay. Like, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Lynn is definitely a company man to the uh, to the Red uh, Red Dragon Syndicate. Um, but now it, it goes down to Callisto, and you see Faye sitting at a bar listening, listening uh, just to music. And what I like about Callisto here, this is the episode. It kind of gives you like a like just the way everything is kind of piled on top of each other and compact. Lots of neon lights. Very Blade Runner kind of vibes here. Um, but she finds herself in a, uh, in a, a cocktail bar, like a jazz bar, mm-hmm. and there's just someone hammering out just the smooth sounds on the saxophone, Lisa Simpson style. <laughs> and she's kind of enamored by it. And I believe in this episode, she actually speaks with the person playing the saxophone and we find out his name is Grin. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and all the while here, you know, Spike is, um, on Callisto trying to get some information um, he ends up coming across the, um, just these various goons. I think one's uh, like the first one he comes across is like a, like a I think it's like a, it's like a sex trans. worker or something. Yeah, like a trans hooker, and like <laughs> they, he just ends up having to kick the shit out of everybody here um, before he finally gets some information. But it leads him to vicious. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, before we get back, because. You know, what Faze happened was Faze doing with Grim. We'll get back to that because that's kind of the meat of the, you know, the first episode. Yeah, it's kind of like um, kind of like all three of the characters are all on Callisto, all for different sorts of reasons. Faze trying to yeah, get away, and then she meets yeah, Grim. Jet's She's, looking for Faye. Jet's looking for Faye to get his money back, and then Spike's looking for any Julia. any any trace of Julia, essentially. And it all kinds yep. of kind of leads up to either Grin or Vicious. Yep. 
So Faye essentially gets kidnapped. I mean, she, you know, she, um, well, Faye, when she leaves the club, she actually comes across those same goons that Spike beat the shit out of, and she's being trouble. Then Grant comes out of nowhere and just clocks him with the uh, with the saxophone case that he has, and she scurries off with him back to his place because Faye apparently is sick. Like she has a cold during this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so they go back to Grant's place. They drink. They talk. Um, Grins goes to take a shower, and I, I, I forget what triggers Faye to actually go up and, like, look at him while he's in the shower. Um, she finds out something, but I don't remember what that is. I'm sorry for not remembering what it is. Oh, let's see. Um, so she's talking to Grin. I know she she says, like, I can't remember what she says. She says a line where it's almost like she's talking to, like, a shrink, sort of. Um, yeah. So she's happy talking with him. Um, I think she... She sees a photo of Vicious, I'm pretty sure. I think she sees yes, a photo uh, of Vicious. Yeah, because they were old war buddies. Well, that's right. They fought together in the, I guess, uh, the war on Titan. Yeah, and then she uh, she actually overhears, remember she overhears the voicemail. Vicious yes. calls while Grin's in the shower. Leaves a voicemail because that's, Vicious is actually going to meet Grin for the, like, the drug deal on the red eye, yep. right? Yep. And this is when Faye goes in, yeah, gun drawn, gun drawn into the shower. And pulls back the curtain, and you see Grin, but you also see, well, Grin's got a nice rat. <laughs> and Faye's taken uh, taken aback by, uh, you know, the spectacular titties. <laughs> then she looks down, and, well, and she's like, well, well which one are you? Because <laughs> he, he definitely, ha- you know, Grin definitely has all the bits. Um, and, you know, Grin makes it, you know, he's like, I'm man and woman, but I'm also neither. Um, and they don't really dive into that quite yet because um, from there she gets captured and it cuts back to Spike um, who is face to face with Vicious. They, uh, they, they mention they, they, he talks about Julia um, and he's like, yeah, Julia was here at Ganymede. Um, and what happens is Lynn actually like Spike wants to shoot Vicious. Lynn jumps in front and just, just shoot Spike. And that, that's where the episode ends with Spike just laying there. Um, presumed dead. Right. And then um, this is when we move into part two. Um, well, yeah, that's everything. Also too, well, Faye pretty much captured. She's pretty much being held you know, prisoner by Grin. And this is where she learns about the past, um, about them being in war together, um, about what happened after the war. I believe this is where she finds out that uh, like the hormone therapy was done on him, yeah. um, which is why he's got all the, all the bits. Yeah, and we really um, don't. Was, I wish we could hear more about like the war story. We just, we know what's on Titan, and we know it's like kind of like trench style. It almost seems like yeah, um, it's very World War One esque. They're all in trenches, um, which is kind of neat in that regard. Um, but yeah, you find out he was exper- he was pris- he was imprisoned, and he was uh, experimented on like horm- uh, like hormone replacement or uh, something. They, they yeah, took he, away something. Or he, he was given he him. was given an experimental drug, and it caused his ho- yep. hormones to become imba- imbalanced, which is why he has yep. the rack that he has. <laughs> it's, it's a good rack. It's, uh. it's impressive, <laughs> but it works out to his advantage. Um, because you know, before before we get to that part, though, you know, Spike wakes up. He's got a fucking buzzard sitting on his chest, and uh, he realizes that he was shot with a tranquilizer. Um, I don't know if that was purpose like Lynn didn't want to kill him or yeah I think he mentions like yeah, they're toying with him yeah yeah because I Spike and Lynn are obviously very aware of each other that you know they they used to work together as well Lynn seems like he was you know good at what he did 
Um, but then, you know, he, he's able to hunt down and figure out what's going on because he sees uh, the drug deal is actually going on now on a rooftop. Um, and Grin is, you know, he's, he's wearing a burqa. Just, you think it's a woman um, doing the, the, the trade. And they, um, it's a shipment of red eye. So now we see this red eye again that we haven't seen since the first episode. Um, and they inspect that they do the deal. Um, but Grin had actually sabotaged the deal. Um, Grin had, had uh, there was an explosive uh, that was in, I guess, whatever the, the case with the, uh, whatever the case was in with the, um, oh, shit, it wasn't the red eye. It was, there was an explosive in the case with whatever uh, the payoff, the payment amount was. But Grin, like, slides it back over to them, pulls off the burka, and, you know, lets Vicious know that, you know, it's, you know, that it's Grin. Yeah, reveals um, he her, his Grin, identity. Yeah, gr- reveals himself, and Grin actually... Vicious is the reason Grin got in prison. You find out that uh, there was some kind of espionage or something was leaked, and Vicious pretty much sold Grin up the river. Just straight sold him up the river, like confirmed, oh yeah, uh, whoever was, whoever leaked those secrets or whoever did that espionage, it was totally Grin. Like confirmed, like just, you know, went to trial against Grin, um, and that was the reason Grin was put in this position. Um, so the thing explodes, um, knocking Vicious and Lynn away. Um, and Grin goes to shoot Vicious. Lynn jumps in the way and actually takes the bullet for Vicious. Right. And I believe that kills him. On I believe he dies there. Yeah, Lynn dies there. Um, and Spike, I believe he shows up just moments later. Because um, well, he hears the explosion on the rooftop. Mm-hmm. That's right, yeah. And then uh, yep. Vicious takes the red eye. He leaves. Um, Spike kind of comes up to Grin. He's like, hey, tell me where Julia is. Um, kind of trying to... Just, well, they have this three-way dog fight. Oh, first, that's right. That, no, uh, yeah, yeah. First, 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 we have yes. the yeah, we have the plane fight, um, which is basically Spike going after Vicious. Um, Vicious states that Lin wasn't protecting him, uh, but it was like the Order of the Red Dragon, essentially, which is yep. yeah, he was, he the syndicate the that Spike used to be part of. The order, yeah. Right, 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 right. Oh, he's a company man. <laughs> Clocks in. Clock. He's the first one there, last one to leave. Yeah, and this is where. Vicious, he shoots down Grin's spacecraft, essentially. Yes. Okay. Yep. okay. And, um, well, and the reason they stop fighting is uh, Vicious has the red eye, but he starts hearing uh, this tune playing. Um, and earlier in the episode, you saw a flashback of, like, a music box mm-hmm. um, that he that was give, that Vicious gave to Grin. Because um, it was, uh, I believe it was, like, it was a, the music box was a gift. Uh, the song that it plays was called Julia, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Um, well, that thing, uh, there was some kind of transmitter on that that caused an expl- uh, that caused something to explode or hit Vicious's ship, crippling that. He was barely able to get back um, to the Red Dragon ship that he was on, so he barely got away. Um, at that point, Spike doesn't pursue. He goes back to Grin, and that's when he asks about Julia. That's right. Julia that's was right. never there. That's Julia right. was just Grin's code name. Yeah, too many space fights. I get these all mixed up. Uh, <laughs> that's um, right. They're, they're all over the place. There's yeah. a lot happening in this show. And uh, Grin, he's basically on his dying breath. Spike call, tries to call an ambulance, and Grin kind of like smacks the phone away from me. He's like, just help me back to my ship. Um, yeah. So he can attempt to fly back to Titan, uh, which is where... Yep. Essentially, like him and Vicious, really, they were the war buddies and all that stuff. Um, so Spike gets yeah, him on there. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. 
just say it's book that both episodes are bookended by a, um, a native shaman uh, talking about shooting stars, and it, the first part opens with that, mm-hmm. and the second part ends with it, and you understand it with a little more context now because really the shooting star was talking about grin. At least that's the the vibe I got. No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's what I got too. Because when you first see it, you're like, oh, "What's this have to do with anything?" And then it kind of comes full circle at the end. Yep. And this is actually the the first and I believe only episode where you don't get the River Folk Blues at the end, uh, which is another excellent track um, for the show. It's just kind of a just like a fade away up into space. Um, and yeah, I mean that's really the that's the first thirteen episodes. That's the, I mean it's a really nice cutoff point um everyone's kind of again in a compromised position they're definitely worse for wear than they were when they started um you also find out too that there really wasn't a whole lot of money in that safe uh when uh when they took the money yeah i think it was only like 20 or forty thousand or something it was like a very low yeah, amount it wasn't nothing. compared yeah. to like the bounties they've been chasing although they yeah. haven't really had many themselves like they haven't caught many but oh yeah like they're they're, they're very mixed bag um now, overall, uh, Cody, what did you think of the first half of Cowboy Bebop? Oh, man, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Uh, every time I watch this show, I, I really enjoy it more and more. Um, I remember the last time I watched this a few years back, and I thought that a lot of the episodes without, like, Vicious or Julia or, like, Jet's backstory were kind of filler episodes. Now I don't think that at all. Um, it's really just more of, like, character-building episodes outside of maybe, like, the Toys in the Attic episode, where the monster's running around the ship. Um, yep. You, de- you definitely needed that, uh, you definitely needed that uh, whimsical episode, because like, they, it gets pretty heavy-handed coming down the second half. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it's, it's getting dark for a while there, and then uh, and it kind of continues to get dark. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I understand why Like this is one of the most highly regarded animes of all time, even though we're only halfway through. Like, mm-hmm. You really, like... Yeah. It's, I'm, I'm grown very fond of the show and like the characters and everything. Oh yeah, they definitely they definitely grow on you and they grow on you very quickly. Um, they complement each other very well. Um, just I, I feel like the music and the atmosphere, like that, that really like lived in atmosphere. Just it, you know, the the setting is its own character in this show. Um, you know, I love the, I love the just the space travel aspect. How it's it's still with confined within our solar system. It reminds me a lot of, or it, the, the show The Expanse kind of has that same vibe. Everything is just, you know, kind of old and worn and lived in, um, and they don't really go out beyond their, you know, their own solar system. Um, a lot of moons, a lot of asteroids. It's really, really, really cool in that regard. It's, it's just good. And I know the second half is just as explosive. So that's what we're going to cover next week. Uh, next week's episode will be us finishing off Cowboy Bebop. Um, but you know, Cody, we're not going to sign off yet. No, um, not, yeah, not quite. We got because uh, we've got we've got like viewer mail. <laughs> we've got uh, we've got listener questions to go over. Um, so, Cody, we we got what three this week? Yeah, we got three. Um, Shit, yeah, let's let's do them. So I, I'm excited about this part. So I'll read these off, and then I'll have you respond, and then I'll respond afterwards. Yeah. Uh, so uh, our first question: Will we do we plan to have any guests on the show? Oh, absolutely. Um, if you know me, you know I like uh, I like extra input. Um, sometimes having a, a, an extra mouth, an outside perspective, is always great. We definitely plan on it. We've got a few guests, um, you know, in the early talks already. I know uh, we're doing. We want to do a cross episode with our good old buddy uh, Brian Bylicky, also known as Lord Byron, for those that know him. 
Uh, he does a podcast as well, uh, a beer podcast, which is very fitting to what we do here. Yeah, it's right um, up our alley. <laughs> and, you know, we want to do like a crossover where we're on his cast. We want to have him on us, ours. You know, we're going to talk about, I definitely want Brian on me, you know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, no, we're going to talk beer, and I believe whenever we get around to doing uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, that's the one he was like, fucking count your boy in, tag me in. Yeah, so look, look forward to that, guys. Uh, it's definitely something we obviously want to have. We definitely want to eventually someday have listeners on the show. Um, mm-hmm. It's just something we want to get our bearings, kind of get these first few kind of series covered, and uh, really just kind of figure out you know our sound and all that stuff before we yeah. kind of in, start inviting all kinds of people on the show. Um, and then our second question here is, uh, Chris, what would you suggest as a starter anime for anybody trying to get into anime? Well, I mean, I mean, don't look much further than what, what we're talking about today. I think Cowboy Bebop is a great starter anime um, because it's a you don't want to you don't want to jump into something that has like a shit ton of episodes mm-hmm. um, because you'll find there's a lot of filler there. I think something that's like twenty six episodes. I think I think anything from that period, um, Outlaw Star, Cowboy Bebop, Trigun, like anything, uh, Sh- Samurai Champloo. I think anything from that era is a good place to start. Uh, Gundam Wing, I think, is another one. Um, but it, um, maybe Gundam. Gundam has a, like a rich lore and a lot going on, so maybe not Gundam, but I think any, anything from that era, specifically Bebop, Outlaw Star, and um, watch of a shit, uh, Trigun, I think those are great places to start. And also, too, I thought about this, and I also read this, and maybe we can talk about it when we finally get to Outlaw Star. I believe that, uh, I don't know if it's the same refrigerator, but that that refrigerator, there's a refrigerator out in space uh, that that apparently is like a kind of a nod to the one from Cowboy Bebop that Spike shoots out of the airlock. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, again, I'll, I'll dig into that when the time comes. But I read that on again. I read that in a couple places where it was like, oh yeah, it's kind of a throw a nod and a throwback to that episode of Cowboy Bebop on Outlaw Star, which is oddly enough, you know, not related. But I've heard like there are some some small like similarities and you know like relation ships there but <clears throat> yes uh that's where i that's where i would start yeah and i think if you have anybody that wants to get into anime maybe even show them the podcast like they can it's real easy we watch very we watch a few episodes a week essentially and i mean you can just kind of follow along with us another anime that i would suggest um kind of like how chris suggests like suggested that like shorter shorter animes are better you don't want to go into like a one piece or anything like that I think any of these shorter animes that have like a self-contained story, uh, yeah. for instance, like I know I've talked about it before, but my favorite's Death Note. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, absolutely. And like I, I don't. There's just something about that show. Like when I first watched it, it was just like I was hooked. It was I was addicted to it. I mean, more than I've been. And I and I've watched plenty of TV. I've watched Sopranos. I've watched Game of Thrones. And I mean, nothing has got me hooked like that show has. Mm-hmm. So maybe another well, suggestion could be that. They want something. Oh, no, I agree with that 100%. I think if they want maybe a little bit longer, but not, like, very long, uh, mm-hmm. Yu Yu Hakusho is a great one, too. Oh, absolutely, yeah. No, definitely. And then um, that brings us to our final question. Uh, this one's actually from my brother. Uh, oh, look at that. What'd you look at? <laughs> yeah, so he asked, um, will you guys be re- uh, reviewing, like, some more, like, quote-unquote old-school anime, sort of like Cowboy Bebop. Um, he specifically asked about, like, Gurren Lagann or Neon Genesis Evangelion. Uh, I think it'd be a huge misplay if we didn't, you know, do Evangelion. I plan on it. Um, it, it does help that you and I are, you know, you know, 
uh, at least a decade apart in age. You're, you're how old? 27? 27, yeah. 27, okay. Yeah, we have 11 years age gap here. Um, there's definitely some older animes. We're, we're going to cover stuff from the 80s. We're going to cover stuff from the 90s and spinning all the hits of today. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Um, Evangelion is definitely on the list. Um, you know, you, you, Again, you can't talk anime without that. I mean, that's one that's still an all-time great. It's considered the best by a lot of people. Um, so yeah, definitely. Uh, we're going to cover everything as much as we can because there's a lot of a lot of anime from the 80s and 90s that are very near and dear to my heart because that's when I really got into anime. Mm-hmm. And they're all really good. Like, I can't wait to do some stuff again like Robot Carnival, Project Echo, uh, Dominion Tank Police, um, Eight Man, Ghost in the Shell. Like, there's a, there's a lot of really good series and movies from, you know, yesteryear that are that still influence anime today because they were just that fucking good. So, absolutely. Yeah, so look forward to that, guys. They'll definitely be getting Please nominated. Look forward to it. Yeah, yeah, like Gurren Lagann, obviously that's one of my favorites. Um, but yeah, guys, so just stay tuned for that. Um, and Chris, I think that about wraps us up. Hey, guys, yeah, it, man, this was fun. Yeah. Um, I can't wait to do the next half because the uh, next half of Cowboy Bebop is just as fucking gas as the first half. Um, so yeah, be on the look for that. Like we're gonna cover the next thirteen episodes, which uh, starts, I believe, the first episode is uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. That's episode fourteen, and it ends with the Riverfolk Blues parts one and two, uh, ending the show. Um, and then after that, we'll go into the movie. And uh, if we can get our grubby paws on the mishmash blues, we'll watch that too. Yeah, just to correct Chris, it was the real folk blues. Oh, but. That's, that's 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 the whiskey talking, you know. <laughs> it is river. Yeah, it's real folk blues. Okay. Yeah, but guys, if you if you guys want to follow along with us, uh, just be caught up. We'll be up watching episodes fourteen through twenty six, like Chris said. Um, if you guys have any more questions that you want to ask us for us to answer on the show, uh, you can leave a comment on the episode whenever we post it to the Facebook page. Um, but until then, guys, we'll see you, Space Cowboy. <laughs>